from the Rocky Top Insider Studios, it's the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, and welcome back to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined to my right, that is Ryan Shumpert. Joined with us across the table, that is Jack Foster. We got the whole gang back in studio. Good afternoon, everybody. Today is Thursday, April 6th. We are making our way through the spring. You know what? Speaking of spring, we've, we have sprung out of the basketball season. That has closed down. We are springing into the football season, more or less. We're kind of in this spring camp, uh, this, this kind of... Four-week stretch or so leading into the spring game a little bit later on, but we are certainly in the middle of spring baseball season right now. You know what else we're in the middle of, Ryan? I know you can attest to this a little bit, too. It's not just baseball season. No, it's not. It's not just a little bit of football season. It's allergy season. Pollen season. I'm getting destroyed here. I I don't even have a a joke to make about it. I don't have a a, a funny pun or a hypothetical. I'm just going to come out and say it is... Uh, kicked my butt here in the last couple days. Yeah, I, I rarely see someone getting hit by allergies harder than I usually get hit by allergies, but I think you're getting hit harder by yeah, allergies than I, I am. You and I both can uh, can make a pretty good race for the crown to to be where who can just take the the good old household allergies and uh, and and turn them worse. But it's a pretty good race. Yeah. So uh, hoping to to not have. Uh, if I disappear from the podcast for like three minutes, it's probably because I'm sneezing. So if I sneeze one time, I will sneeze eight times right now. So. <laughs> yes. Just hoping to avoid that here for half an hour, but yeah, you're right. The allergies are brutal, but that, as is spring in uh, in the South. Allergy season took no prisoners here at the start. I mean, normally normally I am kind of a prisoner to allergy season, right? It's not killing me or anything, but I, I, am, I am at the allergy season's mercy, right, normally. This time, though, I don't even feel like a prisoner. I just feel like it, it took me. I'm done. See you later. <laughs> Wake me up at some point a little bit it's later. It's past on. the edge. It is. It is. We, we've gone over the hump. Uh, we, we've hit the danger zone. All that and above. So, anyways, it is a. Uh, we're making our way through this Thursday. We were we were outside today in Neyland Stadium. So, of course, we were we were outside in the pollen and on the grass. Uh, but it's been a good day all around. It has been. Yeah, Tennessee out on, on Neyland Stadium for its second spring scrimmage and. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of main guys, not out there today. It didn't seem like, but still, plenty of work getting in. And uh, what we're now nine nine days. That's the math away. Nine days from the Orange and White game. Yep. So spring practice kind of starting to work towards its uh, final stretch. And uh, Tennessee trying to figure out more and more about a team that, that certainly has more depth on it as we've seen in the spring. Yeah, as spring practice has gone on, less and less guys are are practicing. And that's just how it goes, right? And more guys it get is. dinged up. More guys get dinged up. So, yeah. Not a lot of, of course, we didn't watch the scrimmage this morning, but just recent spring practices, there's been more guys absent. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where it's like, and it, you know, it's, there's like the level of, all right, if it was a game, they'd probably play. And I think we're even having a lot of yeah. guys where if it was like fall practice, they would still be out there. I mean, right. on Wednesday morning, uh, you know, Jalen Wright was fully dressed out, had his helmet, and I don't know what his in- injury is, but then he. He just wasn't going through drills or, or anything like that. So uh, a lot of guys, a lot of main guys, in addition to there's already a handful of guys that uh, Brew McCoy, Jabari Small, that are just out yeah. the entire spring, and it's kind of added up. And, and not that it's certainly not a surprise, and 
not to say that it's something that you want to see, because I don't think that's the case either, but you know, Tennessee, I think, is much more equipped now than they were certainly two years ago, but even last year, to still get productive work in, because there are uh, so many early enrollees and just so much more depth on this team than we've seen in the last few years. Right. Yeah. All right, plenty to get into today on the show. As we obviously have started talking about in the last minute or so, plenty of football conversation to get into. Like we've said, we talked to Josh Heupel. We've been kind of at the spring practices. We have been around the Tennessee football program trying to figure out just a little bit of what's going on over there this spring. So we will continue diving into that. But there's also a little bit of basketball to get into. I know the season ends just a couple weeks ago or so. It, you know what, actually really just a week or two ago. It, it hasn't yeah. even been that long. But, you know, of course, there's going to be a lot of uh, activity in the transfer portal already, huh? Yeah, I mean, even before the season ended, the transfer portal, uh, you know, gets going and I would say that probably a conversation for another day or uh, another uh, source, but, you know, it, to me it feels like they need to adjust some of these rules, you know, with the transfer portal and when that window opens because yeah. you have these guys entering the portal, you know, before March Madness starts or the first weekend of March Madness, and it's like, you know, coaches, you're coaching your team still. In the tournament, you're kind of falling behind. Uh, it's like the, the – yeah, you get hurt for being good. Yeah, it's the qu- or it's not even a quip when Nick Saban makes makes it, but it's kind of a joke, you know. That he, he would say, all, you know, how much, how addicted he is to being on top of things, and he'd win the national championship game. He goes, "Well, we're three weeks behind on recruiting." <laughs> it's like that, but it's a lot more serious, essentially, because the transfer portal is so integral to the your roster building for the next year. Whereas, obviously, recruiting is very important, but a little a little bit different. But yeah, yeah that's. Uh, it makes it interesting, and certainly the portal's been going on for some time, and Tennessee's still in a little bit of a holding pattern, but yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into all that. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball to get into. We're going to save the baseball, even though there is a big baseball series in Knoxville coming up this, uh, really this weekend, starting today, back-to-back, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for Tennessee baseball, and Tony Vitello, your head coach. I, instead of talking about that today, I will point you over to the RTI Press Pass Special Edition. That's the baseball podcast. That's kind of where we put more of our baseball thoughts. That's where Ryan and Jack came together a little bit earlier on uh, in the week and talked about the baseball series that is coming up ahead. So, if you want to get ready for the Florida Gators matchup coming up Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday right here in Knoxville, make sure you're going and checking out the most recent episode of the RTI Press Pass. That right there is your Tennessee baseball pod. But uh, otherwise... One more quick bit of housekeeping news. We have launched a new podcast on the RTI Network, and it is great. Man, we've added two new absolute superstars in the audio industry. That would be VFL, Kyler Kurbison. He was a former Tennessee offensive lineman from 2011 all the way up until 2015. So, of course, man, he's got great insight that he's bringing to the table. He's bringing great stories, great knowledge, not just of college football, but of the Tennessee football program as well. So he teams up with Reed Bacon, one of his longtime friends, and a longtime follower of Tennessee football, Tennessee athletics all around in general. So they have teamed up. They make uh, they make up for the Pancakes and Bacon podcast. Man, is it fantastic to listen to. These guys have been up in Knoxville the last couple weeks. They have been watching a little bit of spring practice. They've been talking about the scrimmage. So make sure you're also going and checking out that right there on the RTI Network. That is Pancakes and Bacon with Kyler Kerbison and Reed Bacon. You can follow them on Twitter at Pancakes and Bacon, not the D, so just Pancakes A-N Bacon. Or we are, of course, posting all of their stuff over at RocketTopInsider.com as one of our new great partners. So we are certainly excited to... Uh, have them in the bunch and, and have their show because, man, it is a it's a great one to listen to. Yeah, talk about cold banter, right? Just two friends yes. talking Tennessee football. It's it's a different speed, you know, than 
this for, per se. You know, it's it's a lot of jokes, it's a lot of laughter. So it's it's a good listen and an entertaining one. Yeah, it is and informative. It's it's yeah. a good blend of, of all those things. So it's been great. So they've had a couple. Uh, Talking about spring practice and, and a practice they got to watch, spring scrimmage, and then also uh, breaking down Jake Merklinger, I guess, who's still the most recent commit in Tennessee football, but uh, the top 100 quarterback recruit. So that they broke down his film and kind of went into a deep dive on him and how he fits in Josh Heupel's system. Man, what a nice get for Tennessee right there just on the recruiting trail early in the week. Jake Merklinger, four-star mm-hmm. quarterback from the Georgia area. That was a great win for Tennessee on the recruiting trail. You know, I, I, I was really curious to see – who was going to be that next quarterback after Nico, right? Was it going to be, I think either way, if you're looking at a more highly touted guy, if you're looking at a, a more middle-of-the-road touted guy, either way, you're looking at a guy with stones, right? you, you got to have some stones to, in my opinion at least, to follow the number one quarterback in the class, the number one player in the class even, to whatever school they're going to. But Jake Merklinger, man, this this kid is ready to go, seems fired up about coming to Tennessee, and man, he, he brings some good skill uh, to the table and what he can do at the quarterback position. Yeah, definitely he does, and you're right. I think I wasn't expecting them to go out and get be be able to land as high as a rated quarterback just a year after Nico. But you know, it's I guess I shouldn't be a surprise because you know we see that all the time at, at some of the top top schools. You know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, where they stack quarterbacks, and you know what's the stat? I think sixty five, seventy percent of five star quarterbacks end up transferring at some time in their tenure. So. Uh, he's not backing away from the competition, what you like to yeah. see, and certainly a guy that, when you look at Tennessee already right now, very low on depth for the quarterback position. Yeah. There's two scholarship quarterbacks. Obviously, you know you're going to lose Joe Milton after this season. I think it was really important that they get get somebody solid. I'm sure there'll still be probably somebody looked at in the portal as well uh, after next season, but they needed some... Just like that, just like I said, someone solid, someone who could potentially play, and they're sure. going to need plenty of options because quarterback depth is, is very thin right now. And Rick, you mentioned it. You know, Jake Merklinger is committing to Tennessee, knowing that probably the first two years he's on campus, Nico Yamaliava is going to be the starter. Sure. So this shit goes to show how better the Josh Heupel's, how how Josh Heupel's recruiting quarterbacks is recruiting this position with his offense. This goes to show the improvement Tennessee has made in that department. So, uh, yeah, very encouraging uh, get for the balls. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the other thing that you think about just heading into year three of the Josh Heupel era, and you think about just what they've been able to, and I think about the coaching staff here, right, but just what they've been able to present a high school prospect or a high school recruit in what this offense can do. This is not even pre-year one anymore, right, where you're still pointing to UCF tape and stuff like that. This is not the middle of year one and two anymore, where you're kind of pointing to, hey, look, we did some things good that we wanted to, we, we had you know, some steps in the right direction. No, we didn't necessarily win our bowl game. But now, heading into year three, Tennessee is able to recruit at a different level just because of some of the stuff they're able to offer. I think maybe on the defensive side, you're able to say, hey, look, we we need players who are going to be able to step up and play for us early on. You might not have to wait here for that long of a time. But on the offensive side, they have two years of absolute proof in the pudding, right? Mm-hmm. That they can put up offensive numbers, especially from the quarterback position. I think people are people were able to see just how incredible Hendon Hooker was in that little two-year Tennessee journey that he had, and now people are talking about him as a a top five NFL draft pick. And hey, that might be a little bit uh, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but maybe even a first round guy. Certainly seems like a second round guy at this point. So I do think that Tennessee is now able to recruit at, at continuous uh, continuing to recruit at a high level just because of what they've been able to do in the first two years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's 
there's no doubt about that. I think this is the class that really start to fill it too. You know, that's there's only so much. Well, not all the you know 23s is signed by the time Tennessee was showing that progress uh, on the field. Most of them had made you know commitments. So this is kind of you had all those guys on campus, a lot of 24s, a lot of 25s last fall, and uh, these are guys that now you switch your focus, and this is where you you really expect that success on, on the field to start impacting things re- recruiting wise as well. Six foot three, one hundred ninety five pounds for Jake Merklinger again. We've talked about him. This is a guy who, who, man, does he have an arm. If you watch some of his highlight reels, this is a guy who can sling it all over the field, who can do it, who can obviously throw the short game, throw the intermediate game, but really be able to throw the long game and stretch out the field. This is a kid who's big. I mean, we just said it, six foot three. He's not necessarily the – I, at least, did not take the impression from just kind of watching the highlight films, seeing some of the scouting reports. I do not get the impression that he necessarily wants to scramble out of the pocket. I think he can, but I think this is a guy who, who – Maybe he's a little bit more old school, man. If he wants yeah. to beat the defense using his arm, he wants to sling it all over the field, and then again, like we said, can be mobile if he needs to, but I don't at least get the impression that he he's a guy who wants to beat you with his feet. I think he would rather beat you with his arm than use his feet when necessary. Yeah, not the most elusive guy, and Kyler and Reed actually broke his film down really well on Pancakes and Bacon's Monday episode, but very good decision maker and great pocket awareness is what stood out to me. Um, just from watching his tape on Huddle as well. Just a guy who is a different speed than Nico, and I think that's great for Tennessee to get so you don't have two of the sure. same, right? And uh, gives you options. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. So that is certainly a great pickup for Tennessee as I believe, what is it, the the sixth commit to the class commit, yeah. overall? Mm-hmm. A couple of those guys, in-state players. I believe three of the class, uh, three out of the six players are in-state players. Now, we know that Merklinger was not one as well, but he does jump up to the, to the, excuse me, to the highest position in the class. So not too bad. No, not at all. I mean, I think it's five, four stars uh, out of six of them, and maybe three of those guys are top one hundred and fifty. So uh, they've they've got they've I think have done a good job with the building blocks of this class, and, and certainly it seems like they're in deep on, on a lot of other big time players, including some within the, the volunteer state as well. Yeah. You know, one other thing that, that I think that people have said about Merkling, or at least that I've seen, and, and I'm, I'm sure they talked about on Pancakes and Bacon as well, is that he's a smart quarterback. Yeah. And I think to be a Tennessee quarterback, you've got to be smart. Even going back to today's press conference with Josh Heupel inside of Neyland Stadium after the press, or excuse me, after their second spring scrimmage, Josh Heupel talked about it. He, he said himself, hey, I don't think there's a quarterback in the country who has more on their shoulders than whoever is running the Tennessee offense. Let's kind of transition a little bit to talking about the quarterbacks right now. Guys, I, I, I liked what I've seen from, you know, and we haven't seen too much of spring practice in general, but I do think that as you've seen the the days go by and as you've seen the practices continue to happen, Ryan, I, I think here kind of in the third week of practices, we've seen a sharp Joe Milton really kind of develop over these first six, seven, eight, nine practices, whatever it's been in the in the calendar so far. Yeah, he's definitely you know looked really good in, in the routes on air portion and has been I think pretty polished, especially as they've gone on, especially in some red zone work. And I thought he's been good when we've seen him do that. So, you know, it's in some ways you know you don't know how much to really take into that. But I even go back two years ago when he did become the starter. I you know to me it feels like there's a lot less balls hitting the ground in open portions of practice. Uh, He's been more accurate with the football. I yeah. think some of it is him having a little bit more touch. I think some of it is the receivers are 
better equipped or more less surprised by you know how hard he throws the ball and they've been able to handle that more so he's been kind of as expected what you'd want to see and and Nico I think uh, we you know we talked about some he's just gotten better you know he I don't think he was very good his first couple days Uh, he's slowly progressed and and had some uh, really I'd say Wednesday was the first time I thought he'd taken a step back you know it felt like almost every time I'd seen him he'd been better and better and Wednesday he was better than he was in his first couple of practices, but still, I didn't think was was extremely crisp. But you know, that's that's a one off. He's a freshman. He's going to need to be more consistent. Josh Eiffel, you know, talked about that today. In fact, uh, he yeah. is really really talented. They like where he's at, but still nowhere close to where they want him to be. So it's a learning process, and and I think he's certainly keeping his head above water, which is kind of in your first spring as an early enrollee and a quarterback, and a quarterback who's the backup quarterback right away. Sure. And at least from a rep standpoint, uh, I think that's really the the most important thing and kind of what you're looking for. No, I, I agree. I've been impressed by Joe. I think he's looked really well, uh, really good, I should say. Um, but Nico, yeah, long way to go. Josh Heupel put it, just said it perfectly this morning, and that's just what I've taken away from watching Nico in practice. And this is a tough offense to grasp right away. I mean, we're still just – not too far along into nine practices. Yeah, I exactly. Guess. So, yeah. yeah, it's a tough offense to grasp the tempo, the scheme, just everything like that. It's going to take a while, but that's why they have Joe. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think you guys are totally right. I think that having an experience, having a veteran guy like this, and and one that you can tell has improved over his last two years in Knoxville, yeah. I do think that that's a a big sign of positivity uh, for this Tennessee football team heading into the. Heading into, I guess, the second big portion of the offseason before they start going with uh, fall camp, I guess, later on in August. Yeah, certainly. And one guy I, was, I wanted to bring up, let's discuss, is just Deshaun Bishop. The the local Knoxville running back, he got Hypel gave him some more praise today, and it seemed like he probably got some more work today. We know Small wasn't out there. Uh, not sure whether Jalen Wright, at least he, well, he so. wasn't mentioned uh, by Hypel, and I didn't see him out there at any point. So yeah. uh, he was able to get more work, and he kind of continues continues to impress. Yeah, just all those young running backs in general. I yeah. mean, uh, even going with Cam Seldon, Josh Heupel had some praise for him. But yeah, Deshaun Bishop, I don't think was a guy we were talking about maybe making an impact in spring like this. But, you know, Josh Heupel said they're not surprised. They knew what he could do. Yeah, I mean, there's probably one of the guys that had the least fanfare, you know, coming yeah. in that he's committed to Coastal Carolina. Um, Jamie Chadwell goes yeah. to Liberty and then he decommits. And, you know, he just kind of, I think, signed with Tennessee. Uh, maybe the first day or you know or in early signing period it wasn't really clear what he was going to do so he is certainly I think you know a lot of times guys talk about recruits talking about having a chip on their shoulder and you kind of roll your eyes at it you know a lot of four stars or whatever John Bishop's a guy that I think would have it as a chip on his shoulder and, and for good reason and he's been really impressive and I think in some ways just what he's doing kind of reminds me of Dylan Sampson where last year you know all the buzz was around Justin Williams Thomas he was the four star Cam yeah. Selden is the four star you know, top 100 guy, yeah. and uh, Dylan Sampson last year, very quickly, you know, you could tell he was going to make an impact, and I don't think it's necessarily that's the case for Dutch Sean Bishop. There's probably a little less opportunity for him to snag it to begin with, but I think he's been really impressive, and he certainly looks like a guy that, you know, Jamari Small, we feel confident is going to be injured at some point. That's been the reality. If Sampson or, or Wright were to go down at some point, you feel like he's a guy that can give you a couple carries and, and stuff like that. So the, the early feedback, I think, has been – if not surprising, at least really positive. You know, Josh Heupel actually had a pretty – I actually thought he had a pretty funny moment on uh, Thursday. We, we were sitting there, and the the press conference was right there just in the corner of Neyland Stadium. And, of course, they had a big fundraiser thing going on. So there was a lot of people walking around and music blaring, and this was after the big scrimmage. So, of course, everybody is high energy and 
a lot of talking going on, whatever's whatever's happening, right? So we're talking with Josh Heupel, and he's behind the, the little backdrop thing, and after only about a minute of asking him questions, Noah Taylor, who, who is a good friend of ours, uh, he looks over at Josh, and he, he asks about Deshaun Bishop, and he just asks about how he's been progressing so far. Josh Heupel gets through about half of his answer, but then as he's going through his answer, they start blaring this music from yeah. the loudspeaker. So he kind of, Josh kind of pulls back and he says, "Like, hey, do you do you need you know do you guys need this to uh, to shut off before we continue going?" And you know the TV guys were like, "Yes." Yeah. So, anyways, a little couple minutes of a pause right there. Josh Heupel gets back. Noah Taylor starts the, starts by asking the same question, of course, because Josh only got about halfway through, and Josh whips his head around and he looks at Noah and he goes. Didn't I already give you an answer to this question? And then just kind of froze for a couple seconds there. He sold it. Yeah, he did. It was that, those awkward silence yes. moments. He thought it was legit for a sec. You but. you kind of wondered for a second there. So he kind of sold it for but, a good uh, for a good second there. And I would have believed it too. Like if that was a normal day, I wouldn't have believed it. But I could tell maybe he was a little ticked off about the music, and so he goes over right he gets held up a little bit so he's come back so he's maybe not in the best of moods i mean i'm not speaking for him but you could kind of infer that maybe and then that happens you're like is this legit or not but it wasn't of course yeah it was pretty good it was pretty good we have the uh we have the whole interaction up on our youtube account right now so just go over to rocky top insider uh on youtube and look for josh heupel's press conference from today thursday right after the tennessee scrimmage guys one other thing that i found interesting from the week just Real quick, going back to something that happened yesterday, I guess. Tennessee secondary has been a big topic of conversation just regarding last year's performance and, and how that was a little bit of a hindrance and how that was a little bit of a struggle at times throughout the year. Looking at the secondary this year, I think you can certainly tell that Tennessee's constant effort to rebuilding that room over their first two years in Knoxville has paid off here in this third year. I, I think you can certainly tell that Tennessee has stockpiled a lot of really good pieces, and a lot of those pieces are young and exciting but they are still a little bit green, right? I think Tennessee is really doing their best to get those guys into a position where they where they can succeed. Now, something that Willie Martinez has talked about during his Tennessee time is that he wants his defensive backs room to be versatile. He wants them to be able to play different positions, be able to mold around and move to different positions as they need. But even before you can get to that versatility, they want these guys just to kind of understand a single spot on the field. So what Willie Martinez told the media yesterday was that you have, let's see, Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson the third, and Christian Conyer are both are all three working the cornerback position. Meanwhile, John Slaughter and Jack Luttrell, they are both working the safety position. Gabe Judy Lolly, who is a very experienced transfer cornerback who came over from uh, by way of Vanderbilt and BYU, most recently with the Cougars. He's playing a little bit of everything, but for those some of those younger guys, some of those uh, more fresh, more younger guys that are very exciting prospects, they are kind of locking into a position a little bit earlier on. So I'm sure that's something that gets moved, especially coming up later in the fall and as their careers with Tennessee continue to develop on. But you can certainly tell that Tennessee has been stockpiling young talent right there in the secondary. And at least to me, this is where I can see that it first really, truly starting to pay off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it really feels like they're maybe ahead of it a little bit on the defensive line with adding talent, but it feels like this year in the back seven, you've you've added a ton of talent. And some of those, a couple of those guys, you got a handful of those guys that are sophomores, but most of them, especially in the defense backfield, are freshmen. And it's kind of like, how quickly can these guys be ready? Because there's a, certainly a different level of talent that I think they've elevated, and that's a big part when we talk about the depth. But uh, I think... 
you just oh, with any freshman, you wonder if how how quickly can they get on the field and be effective? How quickly yeah. can they understand everything they need to understand to do that? And that's why it's so important that Tennessee got so many of these guys here for the spring because there are opportunities, especially in the defensive backfield, for young guys to play. And your top candidates to fill those spots and play are basically all here. So uh, I thought that was, like you said, notable and uh, certainly a good sign for Tennessee. And you probably won't fully see yes the effects of it this season but you'll probably start to see the effects of it this season. And then as you kind of move forward, uh, Tennessee hopes to be a little more balanced in the production on the offense and defense side of the ball. Yes, that's and that's where I was going to go as well. I, you're obviously still going to see your very familiar cast of characters when, when it comes to Tennessee starting secondary this year. You're going to see... Uh, who is it? Um, You're going to see Tank McCullough. You're going to see... Tank McCullough. Kamal Hatton at least a little bit. Wesley, Wesley Walker. Walker. There you go. Uh, We're still not Maybe seeing Mario McDonald. McDonald, that's the one yeah, I was T- thinking of. Well, T-Max is the star, yeah. To me, that he and McCullough have like just really set roles, and then everything yes. else will kind of fill in. I would typically agree. And so I, I do think that you're going to, of course, too. see your probably, very familiar probably, cast of yeah. characters coming up this year. But in the next couple of years, I do think that you start seeing more of just who Tennessee has brought on to the team in the last couple of years. More, maybe more of your Christian Harrison, maybe an Andre Turntine. But also the guys that we're talking about right here, because these guys are projected to be very good players down on the road. Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews especially. So I, I do think that in the next year or two, you, you start to see it. I think that right now you can especially see it on the practice field. But one way or another, you can tell that Tennessee absolutely has been putting in work to, to me, probably the most deficient position so far during their two-year stretch in, in Knoxville. Kind of the position group that has gotten them in the most trouble at times. Uh, you, you can tell that they put in a lot of work to it. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot of rotation with these guys, as we mentioned last podcast. But Different from the rotation last year, we won't see a walk-on in the fourth quarter against Alabama. That's just not going to happen with the talent they've added. You, you think not, at least. Well, yeah, unless there's just a crazy amount of injuries. A ton of injuries, yeah, which, yeah. which you never know. But, and I would say, you know, safety, I think, is a spot they still – they haven't elevated, you know, yeah. enough yeah, uh, there's of a the lot talent of level quarters, there. Yeah. And I think to me the thing that will be interesting with safety is Christian Conyer. He's back working there this spring after being at corner last year. He was at safety his freshman year and even started that Missouri game Heupel's first season, and that was the game he got injured in. And then you mean Christian Charles? Christian Charles, yes, yes. not Christian Conyer. Thank you, Christian Conyer in the corner. Yeah, yeah, Good Christian call. Charles. Uh, and he was, you know, it felt like he was starting to come on. And whether he was going to be the starter the whole season, I don't know if it's the case. But it felt like he was going to be a guy that was going to yeah. play. And then last year they just had such a little depth at corner. They move him to the corner, and he struck, you know, played there but struggled. It feels like safety is the spot where he can be more effective and I'm you know I think he has a little more athleticism than certainly McCullough and probably Walker too so he's a guy that uh, I think will be interesting there as he hopefully you know for his case finds a home full-time and can kind of hone in on his skills there and stay healthy he's been and a, stay healthy. Yes. yeah it's been problematic for him in his career he was my pick last year for a breakout defensive player who I think you maybe could have gone a couple of other directions with that pick it, I certainly don't think uh, Charles was Maybe in the running for it by the end of the year, but I, I still am really high on him. Just from this offseason, talking talking to him yesterday, he was talking to the media. Uh, I, I thought he he brought some good stuff to the table. He seems like he's confident. Seems like he's in a good position. Man, this is a guy who, who, like Ryan was saying, has played cornerback, has played safety, even going back to high school, he's played quarterback. So he has seen the field from about every different angle you possibly can. I think this is a guy who just needs to put it all together, and then who knows, could could be a real breakout star on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, and you know, even besides just being a star, just having another guy that a solid safety. Yeah, you know, Walker. I think you you know is you feel pretty solid about, but and McCole obviously you know has played a lot of football, but 
was not at a high level last season. So yeah, he, I think they're again. It's kind of like what I was saying. It feels like Charles' ceiling, at least his floor is lower, but his ceiling's higher. And any of those guys that can realistically have a higher ceiling this 24 season or 23 season, excuse me, uh, I think you have to keep your eye on, you know, to p- potentially play a, a bigger role. Any other wrap-up thoughts on spring football? Anything that you've seen the last couple of weeks? I don't th- I don't think so for me. I just noticed with the offensive linemen, there's been a lot of, like, center reps. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Mays has missed some time, Cooper Mays has missed some time. But they're really working towards finding that backup center, if you will. And Addison Nichols said that he has not played anything but center yeah. so far yeah. this year. I feel like he's so the I, favorite I, to be that I guy. I would think so. Yes, yeah. I definitely think he will be next if, in line. If Addison Nichols can kind of become that next Jerome Carvin, I think that'll be really huge for Tennessee. The guy who yeah. can play either inside spot and play so. center efficiently. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think – Ollie Lane's right now seems to have like a pretty good hold on that guard spot mm. uh, that, that Carvin's departing. And uh, I think obviously he's going to be a guy that just has one more year. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily a lock to hold on to that. But uh, you, don't th- you don't think Carrick gets it? I think he could, you know, but it's it's hard for me to have any sort of like strong opinion on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, uh, totally. Plenty of, plenty of room to go, road yeah. to travel until the season. <laughs> And Nichols uh, is a guy I think that can help it, like you said, at any of those. While he's mainly working at center, I feel like that's just the thing cause from a learning le- level standpoint. Yeah. Do you want him to have the experience at center? Because once you know center, you can move around to yeah. those interior spots. It's a lot easier to go from center to guard than it is to go to guard, guard to center, which is what made Carvin – what made – what Carvin – I, I can't say What made him so – What made Carvin so valuable, exactly. essentially. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm doing very poorly. Any other wrap-up football thoughts from you? No, I think that's uh, that was the last one I had. What would you like to discuss on the basketball side of things? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's kind of a little bit of a waiting pattern right now as Tennessee awaits for decision or, or finalizes decisions uh, on some of uh, the seniors, Julian Phillips being another one, you know, what they're going to do. I think not that it's shocking, uh, but something that we that's different in the last couple of years, really since the portal's been, is that you haven't had an influx of Tennessee guys enter it. Sure. Uh, obviously, Camwad did, but that was different. You know, usually there's been like four or five guys, or maybe that's a little over top. Two to four guys where it's like Tennessee's just man, they've been waiting all season to then get rid of this guy off the roster. This guy just can't play at that level, and that hasn't been the case. And it hasn't been the case with DJ Jefferson, a guy that redshirted, and just about everybody that's redshirted for Tennessee since Rick Barnes here has been at Tennessee has ended up transferring. Now, not all of them after that season. So, to me, that's interesting, and obviously there's a handful of names out there as well that Tennessee uh, has been linked to, um, but kind of it kind of feels like the calm before the storm a little bit with some of this offseason movement for the, the Tennessee basketball program. We will expand on that and wrap in a little bit more Tennessee basketball thoughts on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. And now back to the show. Ryan, we know that roster movement is going to be a big topic of conversation just over the next couple months as we continue to move into basketball season. Actually, real quick, before we even do that, you wrote the piece just a couple days ago, right? Can you kind of fill me in real quick on Tennessee's way too early 2024 standings, or at least just what the the general consensus was? Where, where are they around? Yeah, so I think I had like six or seven of them in there. And Can I were... guess? Is this, Was this a top 25? <laughs> yeah, top 25. 17. Um, I think they were between – you, I think, would be on the high end. I think the highest they were was 18, and – I think maybe twenty. Well, the low there was one that one person didn't. John Fanta with Fox didn't wow. have him ranked, and then 
everybody else between okay. age, 18 and 25. Sure. So yeah, that, I saw that on threes was 23 stuff, something like that. Okay, so yeah, that's, that's that the one early that 20s I didn't range. have, I don't think, on there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, in the 20 25 range, and I think that's, you know, pretty fair. Yeah. Even, again, the way too early rankings are silly in any sport. Very. They're so much sillier in basketball than they even are in football because yeah. it's like these rosters aren't even close to set. <laughs> no, it's like you don't even there's have any. So I, much that could happen. Like in some ways, I'm like, yeah, tennis. I'm like Tennessee. There's not even a chance they're a top twenty-five team. And like, well, you know, some guys come back. They could be, you know, for a top fifteen team. So that'll all figure itself out. Uh, but yeah, the way too early in basketball needs to come in like June once yeah. the most of rosters are set. Hey, you're talking about guys who who might leave the team, guys who might join the team. We're going to be talking about a lot of roster movement. That's a big topic of conversation here over the next couple months. But who are some guys to maybe keep your eye on, maybe maybe just keep rattling around in the back of the head as people who could potentially join the Tennessee team or at least maybe have some interest in what Tennessee's doing up here? Yeah, so we've seen a lot of guys. At least there will be some connections to Tennessee. And two that I think have a little bit more legs to them, Chris Ledlam, power forward at Harvard. Uh, Grant Ramey at Volquest had to report that he's going to visit Tennessee. And not this weekend, but the coming weekend, he's a six foot six, two hundred twenty five pound power forward, and he's an interesting one because you know Harvard. I think the concern is you know, like any of those guys that's from a small school like Tyreek, the athleticism. What's that like? Ledlam, and I, it's funny I didn't notice it when I first saw his name, but then I remembered it when I saw the fact he was a top one hundred recruit coming out of high school. He was a big recruit that decided to go to Harvard. Uh, he spent three years there. He averaged. Just under 19 points and eight and a half rebounds last year. So he's a talented player. I think it's harder to find big men in the portal, and he's definitely more of a power forward. But he's a guy that Tennessee seems to be connected with. And then another name, North Texas transfer Tyler Perry, a five foot eleven point guard who averaged just shy of 20 points a game. He's a guy that has connections to Rod Clark. Uh, you know, Clark's a Texas guy. And that's where Perry is from originally too. They uh, back in Clark's time. Uh, in an AAU program and coaching in high school, there were connections there. So he doesn't have a visit set up to Tennessee. He talked to Brandon Jenkins with 247 Sports, uh, one of their national guys, and said that Tennessee is one of the schools that he is looking to get a visit lined up with, uh, along with, I believe it was Arkansas and Texas Tech. So that's another name. Caleb Love, the uh, North Carolina guy, is one I think Tennessee's swinging with, but so is just about everybody in the country. That's going to be a really tough yeah. pull. Uh, but those are some uh, names, and, and I'm sure more will come up. And really, there have been more that Tennessee's connected to, but those are kind of the main ones with seemingly some more traction and, and some real connections that you would think to to keep an eye on. You know where my brain immediately goes with those? Number one, Tyler Perry, not actually spelled like Tyler no. Perry, like <laughs> yeah. the one that, that many of us are familiar with. That would be Ty Lore, although it's pronounced Tyler, like we've been saying. That's T-Y-L-O-R. Does anybody know? Yeah, yeah I'm leaving you out of this. Jack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know? nonsense. It might be. It is. That might be a hint. Do you know the famous former football player from North Texas who might have then eventually transitioned a career into professional wrestling? Do you know? Um... You'll know the name. Yeah. But no. you, do you do you know what this is? No, I have no oh, idea. Okay. I mean, I, I know of wrestlers who used to be college football players, but North Texas isn't ringing a bell immediately. So I would just be guessing. Stone Cold Steve. Oh. Interesting. I did not know he played football, actually. He like, was I know the Rock, and Tyson O'Neill, and all those guys. That's but. right. Uh, Brock Lesnar, 
yeah. uh, Minnesota Vikings, and you're right, The Rock, I believe, played for somebody if, uh, after Miami or... Yeah, Miami. No, yes, Miami. And O'Neal was uh, Florida, and he was actually pretty he good. He was. He yeah. was Florida. Um, Roman Reigns was Georgia Tech. Okay. Wow. Yes. Well, I, I figured guess. he played football, but I didn't know the college. Georgia Tech. Yes, I think Georgia Tech. Uh, but yeah, Steve Austin, the Texas rattlesnake. He was a he was a mean green North Texas. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Uh, football player. There, there we you go. go. Yeah, you learn, you learn something new every learn day. That new could every be day. A, You're right. Reigns was a yellow jacket. There you go. Um, speaking into uh, speaking of, of a green college right here, do you have any kind of uh, picks for this weekend's Masters tournament? Yeah, I have a healthy wager on a young Jordan Spieth. Healthy wager. Uh, healthy. Yeah, more than I probably should have probably should have put on it, but I'll be a happy man if Jordan Spieth uh, wins. So we, I've been joking. I, I'm a big Spieth guy. I have another buddy who's a big Spieth guy, and we've been joking all you know winter and spring. Spieth like keeps on being in contention of the, in these tournaments and not winning on Sunday. And we said we're just, he's just saving it for a certain April. So wow, he's got the kid. He's got young Sammy, uh, and uh, he's gonna win first kid. He's he's gonna win the Masters. This green collared shirt you've got on is that. Was that uh, topical to today's start to the tournament? Uh, not really. I as I grabbed it out of my closet to put it on, I did think, ah, eh, great masters. But I don't believe. I think this was all on purpose. Well, you should know <laughs> better, Rick, because you know my affinity for the color green, and I have a different true. green golf shirt that is much more masters looking than this one. Ah, that is true. Big green guy. Jack, any kind of. Masters thoughts. Do you have any healthy wagers down right now? I do now? not have any healthy wagers, as that would be illegal, Rick. I don't break the law. I'm not 21 yet, so. That's right. We were testing That's, you. Yes, That's exactly. Right. That's right. I, I was re- the cops. I had actually Knoxville Police Department on. <laughs> Ryan was going to rat you out himself. <laughs> they, were actually, they were actually on, Ryan. You, I, you guys can go now. Um, <laughs> I did tell my buddies the other day, though, that when I turn 21, I'm going to, as you said, place a healthy wager on the Jags to win the AFC. Oh, that is a so bet disgusting. I will be making. So, just, But, no, for the Masters, I love Tommy Fleetwood. I love the way he plays, but I don't think he's going to win. I hope that he is uh, in contention there towards the end. But I think Brooks Kepka is going to win. Um, he has a, he has momentum. I'm not saying he doesn't entering this tournament, but I feel still feel like a lot of people are sleeping on him just because he hasn't been in the limelight, per se, in the last 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going with Spieth, like Ryan. That's that's my Dallas guy. But I always like to give a uh, special shout-out to the golf boys as well. I, if any of the golf boys ever wins, I am ecstatic. Yeah. Uh, between Fowler and oh, yeah. JT Bubba. and Bubba. Yes. Uh, uh, ben Crane. Ben Crane, yeah. The golf boys aren't too, aren't <laughs> too good anymore. Whoever else, no. They've, they've had their heyday, huh? Yeah. Haven't they? Jack, you're uh, you're, you're you just mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars a second ago. Seems like the AFC South is uh, gonna get gonna get some new quarterbacks here in the next couple weeks, huh? Oh. Yeah, definitely. Maybe three new ones. Hopefully, see, hopefully just two. Crazy. That's what I was thinking as well. Is that you? You knew that the Texans and the Colts were, were going to be in the market for one, but Ryan, it feels like just about every single mock draft I look at these days have the Titans taking some kind of quarterback, and a lot of them point to Anthony Richardson. Where's kind of your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, Uh-oh. <laughs> I, was about to say, I was very <laughs> close to saying something I shouldn't have said on the podcast. I'm glad I held my tongue. Wait yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, uh, but oh. Don't like it. We'll leave it at that. I'm not the Titans. I do. I would love for the Titans to trade up three. I'll tell you who I'm scared of is actually the Texans because they've retooled a lot in the offseason, and yeah. they're going to get Bryce Young because the Panthers are going to take Stroud. And D'Amico Ryans is a hell of a coach. He is a great coach. The Texans are going to finish second in the South if, unless the Titans make, 
I don't know. I, I still feel like they will. I, I just think the Titans are in for a bad year, and Texas may finish second. But I have a question for you guys. Okay. Shoot. So let me set the stage a little bit for you here. I won't take too long. Okay. But rewinding back to 2017 when the Chiefs traded up to 10th overall to take Patrick Mahomes. It was a bit of a surprise, and they had Alex Smith, who you knew was going to be the starter going into the next season. So the Chiefs were taking a chance, and it ended up paying off wonderfully for them as Patrick Mahomes is a two-time Super Bowl winner. Chiefs have dominated the landscape. But it also equally worked out amazingly for Patrick Mahomes, if you're looking at yeah. his point of view. He gets Good to be point. coached by Andy Reid, and he gets to have Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt at the time, just a, a great offensive system there. So let's apply that to Hendon Hooker's scenario, because yeah. maybe Anthony Richardson is the obvious risk-taker in this draft that could go early. He okay. may be more of that Mahomes-esque style, but Hooker is not safe. He's 25. He's coming off an ACL tear. He's definitely a risk if you're taking him anywhere in the middle to early parts of the first round, maybe even the first round in general, which all NFL GMs are in a consensus that he's not making it out of. So if a team is going to take a chance on him, put yourself in Hooker's shoes. What is the dream spot for Hendon Hooker? Oh, I think this is easy, but go ahead. Well, my my pick uh, was Minnesota Vikings. Brian, that was mine. How about Great that? minds think Great minds. Yeah, it, it is a spot where I think because I think you're right. Hooker is such an interesting case study, and I think he needs to be somewhere. Hey, he can go and sit behind Kirk Cousins for one year. Exactly, because yeah. like, this, this is the is last a, year Kirk is, is going to be in Minnesota. It's a tired. I, I get what you guys are saying, but it's a little bit tired. Why? Wait. What? What do you mean? I feel like you just heard it a lot. You know, what? Like he's going to sit behind and then start. Well, uh, I think this is a very good offense to do it. Kevin O'Connell's in his second year. They were awesome last year offensively. Can also, have a Kevin O'Connell game? just pulled up his Wikipedia page because I was trying to confirm that he was the Vikings coach. <laughs> okay. Knoxville, Tennessee native. Nope. I did not wow. know that. There you go. Well, good I point. don't even really know how you Where define you native. He was born in Knoxville. He moved to California by the time he was in oh. high school and went to San Diego State. So oh. he was born in Knoxville. Yeah, thrown, to, thrown to Jay Jettis. This go is Aztecs. a dream spot if, if I'm Hinton Hooker. Because you're not going to start year one. You're going to learn. Yeah. Well, I, I look, again, makes all the sense in the world. I mm-hmm. get what you guys are saying. A little bit tired, though. Nobody actually wants to go to the Minnesota Vikings. Nobody's actual perfect landing spot is the Minnesota Vikings. I think if you're Hendon Hooker, there's only one place you want to go, and that is you want to be the quarterback of America's team, yeah, the what? Dallas Cowboys. Okay, but, here's my thought. If you're Hendon Hooker, you want to be on the biggest stage of them all. That right there is the this Cowboys. Is such a That's take. what they do. This is, I'm losing brain cells listening <laughs> to Rick talk right now. Listen to me. When people talk about <laughs> this makes no sense. When people talk about what makes Dak Prescott great, they don't actually talk about what he does on the field. They say, "Well, this guy is such a great leader, and he's such a great role model for for the the NFL and the Cowboys and Jerry Jones." Hannon Hooker could be that. If not better, maybe even. We all know that Dak Prescott is a stand-up guy, but Hendon Hooker can go and be that for the Cowboys. But then he brings a better, maybe even a better, on-field product to the field, to what they're able to do. The Cowboys are a good team. They seem like they're primed to go. You want to be the star of the show. You want to be the star of the franchise. That is the place where Hendon Hooker wants to go. Trust me. Wait, didn't Dak get paid like two years ago? How many many years has he got left? (sighs) So I think he's definitely (laughs) sitting at least two years and because, you know, Jerry Jones has not been one to just cut the cord at the snap of a fingers. And why would the Cowboys ever take Hendon Hooker? At least mine and Ryan's pick is reasonable. Like, I, I was going for a reasonable selection here. Like, the Vikings could could take Hendon Hooker. It was Hooker so obvious. It was reasonable, schmeasonable. <laughs> I gave you the right answer. Okay. It's funny you say that 
because I've been. It is funny you say that because I've been saying that to me, Hidden Hooker ceiling is Dak Prescott. You think that's a ceiling? Just about, yeah. Yeah. I okay, think that's. I a, can see it. I think yeah. that's a pretty good like, what he could be. Yeah. Just Dak Prescott. I mean, maybe his you go a little ceiling bit higher, you go is a little like bit lower, oh, but yeah, I, I, to me, like that is what he is going to. Realistic. Re- realistic ceiling would probably be the, the more right. Like if I'm thinking, all right, Hidden Hooker has a great NFL career and goes on to do, you know, what you would hope and think he's capable of achieving. I'm like, he's probably going to be a Dak Prescott level player. So you think Hidden Hooker will be a franchise quarterback if you had to bet on it, like for a team? Or do you think he's going to probably not? Maybe if, be I, like if a, you gave me even odds, I'd probably guess no. That he doesn't end up being a franchise. Maybe like a Jacoby Brissett, where he kind of starts filling guys. Starts as yeah. one of the best backups yeah. in the league. You know, probably you probably a guy you see well, look at more years than not starting. But well, Dobbs is like Dobbs didn't start a game until his sixth year in the NFL. Yeah, this is a weird scenario, right? Yeah. Sure. Like I don't think I think Hooker's gonna have be much more involved and get Definitely. a lot more opportunities than Dobbs has. But Dobbs to me is like, and I think he's proved last year that he's like a legit solid backup. But for most of his career, I think he's been viewed as like a very back end, yes. low tier. I mean, back he was a, he's been a third string majority of his career. Yeah. So, I think the thing for Hendon is just you know, and we don't know where he's going to go. And this is true for a lot of people. And of course, you can beat this out. But I, I think that he he could just be in so, man, he could benefit so much from just landing in the right scenario, right? And even going Certainly to what you guys are saying about the Vikings, like yeah. I, I really think that if he does go to Minnesota, which to y'all's point, all, all serious, you know, all, in all seriousness. I think that would be a phenomenal place for him, and I think in three years you, you could be looking at him as the starter of the Vikings, right, leading a a very rebuilding NFC North division, right, and he's mm-hmm. kind of one of the guys on top of that, along with a Justin Fields or whoever else is going to be there, maybe a Jordan Love. But, you know, I, I do think that hey, if he goes to the right place, he could he could propel into a starter. If he doesn't, maybe he bounces around a little bit more like a backup, like Ryan was saying. But I, I, I think that at least just my all that goes to say is that I, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to – you know, it's hard to say that he's going to be a, a dominant NFL yeah. player. It's a hard it's one hard. to project. It's also it's, – it, it would be beyond me to say, nah, I don't think he's ever going to really get an opportunity. I think he could, you know, shine with uh, the opportunity. I think he will. So yeah. it, it's, it's really hard to decide. I, I think if you ask me the same question that you did to Ryan, I agree with Ryan. I probably lean a little bit more towards no just because it feels like that's where the odds lie and that's that's what it's statistically, you know, yeah. uh, more likely to happen. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see and it'll be a lot of fun and we only have about – 21 more days until three so weeks excited. from today, actually, uh, is going to be the NFL draft. So it should be fun. I'll throw the Rams out there, too. There's another spot I think would be pretty good for him. That is a good one. And the Seahawks at 20. Yeah. Because they won't take him at five. But Seahawks are good. Seahawks at 20. Yeah. Because I can see that. Maybe the Buccaneers. The only thing about the Seahawks is like you feel like you're with that Geno deal. Like you feel like the wait would be a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. That's why I think for, like, to be a first. starter. That's the thing that makes hookers so. Like to me, the downside with Hooker is the sense that he feels like he's going to need a year between the ACL and just how different Tennessee's system is to yeah. the NFL system. And then you combine that with the fact that he's already older. Right. It's like a year is going to be good for him to wait, but two or three years. You're not drafting the a quarterback in the first round who you're not going to start until he's 28 years old. Yeah. Maybe the Browns took Brandon Whedon in the first round, so maybe the Browns did it. <laughs> Wasn't he like twenty nine? Yeah, he, he was. He was twenty nine or like upper twenties because he, he played minor league baseball ancient. for that a while so before bad. he went to Oklahoma State. I once saw Brandon Whedon throw a pass that got swatted by a defensive lineman back into his chest. He he caught it and then threw it forward yeah, again. I remember like, that play? How long you been playing football, bro? That ain't the rules. It was a shame because I, I love those Oklahoma State Hated teams that Brandon Whedon was on. <laughs> yeah, they were good. 
any other wrap up thoughts or, or what do you say we get out of here? No, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. That is going to wrap us up for today. Man, it's been another good edition of the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass right here on the Rocky Top Insider Network. That right there is Ryan Shumpert. You can follow him at rshump00 on Twitter. That right there across from me, that is Jack Foster. You can find him at Jack Foster Media on Twitter. And myself, you can find me, Rick underscore Butler on Twitter as well. But of course, make sure you're staying tuned with Rocky Top Insider on each and every social media platform. We are at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. We have daily postings to each, so make sure you're following along. But hey, thanks so much for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass today. Be good out there. We will hit you back next week with more Tennessee football and basketball news, notes, and coverage. Until then, thanks so much for listening and uh, sticking with us to the end here today. Man, it's going to be a good one when we see you next. Thanks so much for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass with Rick, Ryan, and Jack.